It's me, Miss Kadabra. Over here at Smoke to Smoke, it fills me with absolute joy and excitement to bring you product reviews and interviews with amazing guests each week. And now, the show has a sponsor that's equally as excited to bring you more great content in 2023. Stand back and make way for the new sponsor, Caligars. Caligars is an up-and-coming heavy hitter in the cannabis industry. We're talking about Blunt and Joint Roller Central over here as these guys have Blunt and Keith Glue in seven different flavors, Joint Rollers, Canagar Packing Kits, Glass and Wood Tips, Cones and Cannons, Blunt Wraps, and so much more. If you want to up your rolling game, head on over to Caligars.com and don't forget to use the code CADABRA23 to save yourself 10% off your future purchases. That's C-A-D-A-B-R-A-2-3 to save yourself 10% off. Hello and welcome to Smoke to Smoke, the show that'll get you in the know about smoke and drill. I'm your host, Kadabra. With this podcast, I hope to inform you about the fast-growing world of cannabis. I'll be discussing strains, cannabis legislation, groundbreaking studies on the herb, and much more because there's a lot to cover. This podcast is for listeners 18 and up, so if you're a little kid, I might have to ask you to leave for now, but when it's your time, I'll be here and just feel free to hop on back in. Thank you so much for tuning in. Let's get started. Hello again. For this episode of Smoke to Smoke, I'll be welcoming Caleb Chen, Editor-in-Chief for The Highest Critic. Before we get started, though, I have a quick disclaimer. While I make immense effort to broadcast accurate information, I'm not a doctor. I'm simply presenting my views based on what I gathered from my own research. Please do not use this podcast as medical advice, and be sure to consult your physician for any medical issues you may be having. Thank you. Now, let's light up and dig in. Hello, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you doing and what you smoking on? Hello, thank you for having me today. I am smoking on some passion orange guava, aka pog, from uh, Sierra Living Organics out in California. Ooh, that sounds very tasty. So that's like a very fruity strain? It's a very, very fruity strain. Um, and Depending on the day, you know, the, the first note out of that jar might be the passion fruit, might be the orange, or it might be the guava. <laughs> Ooh, okay. So what are the effects on it? Is it more of like a relaxing or is it an energizing strain? It's definitely on the energizing end of things, but uh, because it's so fruity, it has still a lot of mercy. Um, it's very chill at the same time. So like mellow, but energizing. Oh, I got you. I got you. Okay. Yeah, I um usually I've been pre-gaming with a little bit of Sour Joker the past few weeks, but lately I had um some Cool Whip by Good Day Farms, and that's really relaxing. And then I mixed that with a little bit of what I'm puffing on right now, which is my Tropic Thunder Cart. I got it. It's like HHC. It's from RA Royal CBD. And now I'm just, I'm feeling like very relaxed, but elevated enough to where I got this nice focus going on. Yeah. The time that I've tried HHC, I also noted that focus. It's a really good, uh, it's a good supplement or compliment. (laughs) 
Yes, it's like a very um, euphoric uh, cannabinoid, I noticed. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I'm very glad to have you on the show. Can you start out by introducing yourself for the folks at home? Yeah, so my name is Caleb Chen, and I am the founder of The Highest Critic. Uh, a cannabis and uh, culture website that is basically, you know, anything that can be critiqued while high, which is everything in the world if you're high enough. <laughs> and uh, I'm also a certified ganjier and uh, just I've been involved in the cannabis industry since 2010. And it's been a uh, it's been a very fun journey and happy to tell the audience about it. All right, so you've been in this for quite some time at this point, and can you please clarify what a gangier is? <clears throat> so a gangier is a uh, it's like a cannabis sommelier, and it is a new program that was created a few years ago by some leading industry experts out of the Emerald Triangle, and it is seeking to. Um, provide that next layer of education and really and really have a uh, a position a uh what am i trying to say here try to have a it's like a new standard of education and something that's formalized so one thing that the ganjier um program does it has a systemic assessment protocol and okay. essentially, um, a ganjier would uh, go to a cannabis product and evaluate it, assess it on aroma, appearance, flavor, and experience. And uh, the program provides ganjiers with an app where you, know, you can rate a lot of different cat- subcategories within those four categories on a scale of one to ten or otherwise. And at the end, you'll end up with a with a score um out of 100 just like you see written on wine bottles at the store and so in the future um such scores could be seen on uh like labeling as marketing but the real uh benefit of being able to systematic systematically and in a standardized way um evaluate cannabis products like whether it's right when it gets off the farm, right when it gets from the dispensary to the end user, or maybe somewhere along the line at the warehousing or at storage in the dispensary. If you were to do that same assessment at all these different places, you can kind of see who is responsible for what degradation. Because a lot of times, you know, a product will leave the actual processor or the grower, and two months later, the customer gets it, and it's a it's a bunk product. And uh, it's very important to to know that it's not necessarily the the grower or the processor that's to blame at that point and uh, to be able to have data to to really show that out would be would be a, a godsend for the industry i think yeah wow so this is really more of a <clears throat> more of a formulaic way of um grading all the cannabis so that everybody is able to get the same idea of these are like the general effects that you get on it and like the the general um kind of just like when people do rating systems and product reviews and like a lot of the product reviews that you do on your website something similar to that but for all different cannabis strains so that people are able to actually um 
get to know more about their strain before they actually purchase it and not buy it based off of a cool name or the THC percentage or something like that. Yes, definitely. That's a huge part of it. Okay, so can you tell us, like, what, what's your background in journalism? Yeah, so um, I got my first job in journalism in 2013, and I was working as a, a writer and then eventually editor at um, various cryptocurrency news websites. And then eventually I pivoted to writing about, uh, like, internet privacy, um, speech, free speech, <clears throat> Um, digital rights and stuff like that at a VPN company called Private Internet Access. And, you know, along the way, I've been doing freelance writing for uh, various clients in various industries. And, um, you know, cannabis was always something that had been a part of my life since 2010. And to be able to eventually take the skills that I learned, you know, working at a corporate job and be able to bring them to the cannabis industry was you know, a very very uh, nice stuff for me to take and I'm very happy I was able to do so. So what made you uh, eventually pivot over into cannabis journalism? What finally gave you that push? Um, you know, it, in 2018 is when I started The Highest Critic and it was, it was a, a result of you know, some, some personal soul searching that I was doing also a little bit of me not wanting to write for clients anymore um i've had lots of instances where you know work that i create ends up going through multiple layers of editing that it becomes obvious that you know whoever was buying the work was looking for a specific thing and i wonder you know why are they even working with me they should have just written it themselves <laughs> and you know so i really wanted to go independent um is a big part of it and also just uh yeah it was it seemed like there was a real uh like dearth of knowledge in the cannabis industry um especially at the fringes right there's 20 some states where there's a uh, you know recreational cannabis or adult use cannabis there's how many states with medicinal cannabis but the prohibition is still very much alive in the united states and it's also very much alive outside of the united states and so anywhere that there's internet connection um i feel that there needs to be cannabis education so what all kind of cannabis coverage is included over at the highest critic so the majority of the cannabis coverage that is online currently is reviews that are featured from uh different reviewers around the world um, I have recently branched out to do interviews, um, event coverage, stuff like that. And uh, the Highest Critic actually has a news wire now. So uh, brands can publish press releases and you know, generate traffic in that sense. So you know, that's a lot of the cannabis coverage. But I also try to include um, food coverage, uh, culture stuff, and um, really anything just through the lens of uh cannabis users yeah so really it's just kind of like um, a lifestyle magazine newsletter but cannabis based that is a great word for it i need to start using that lifestyle <laughs> okay okay i got you um so what makes you so passionate about cannabis um you know 
from the very first time that I used cannabis in 2010, I tell this story every now and then. It was on 420 in 2010. Um, you know, it took a lot of convincing for my friends before I tried it for the first time. But, you know, since that day, uh, within a few months, I had uh, quit alcohol and I haven't had any alcohol since then for well over a decade. And you know, cannabis has become, some would say, my vice of choice. I would say my medicine of choice. And I'm very passionate about sharing that cannabis education to whoever will listen. Um, I guess maybe the people around me got tired of listening uh, in person, so had to go <laughs> go to wider audiences. <laughs> okay, so how did the highest critic really come to be? Did you start out with a team? Was it just you? So it started out with just me back in 2018. And the very first reviewer that I featured for you know, however many months it was just me putting up a review once a month or something. And the very first reviewer I worked with was a gentleman named Brian out of DC. And I was able to uh, feature his reviews. And from there, it was kind of a snowball effect. I realized that there were a lot of reviewers out there, um, ones that are better writers, better reviewers. They've got better noses. They've got better eyeballs. They've got you know, they've seen more different cultivars than I have, and they, you know, they write better reviews than me. So why would I you know, try to do that when I could <clears throat> hopefully work with these uh, these great reviewers? So I was able to feature uh, reviewer after reviewer, and at this point, um, it's about fifty some reviewers, and so yeah, that's kind of the the path that's been taken there. <laughs> Wow, so you really started with a grassroots approach with just you and grew to now this community of writers. That's really awesome. And I like that you're really highlighting other people um, within the community and showing off their talents as well through their creative writing skills. Because I really like reading other people's reviews, watching other people's reviews, and kind of uh, getting um, insight on how they do it so I can learn and just not not copy off of them, but just make my my review approach back yes absolutely because there's so many different you know styles i guess you could say some people really focus on um you know like keeping a log of how the new thing they're trying compares with everything else they've tried before or you know some people will go to a review and do their darndest to identify um you know the parent cultivars or you know the id the specific most uh relatable smell or relatable high or something like that and it depending on how uh how the end person reading that review how educated they are how much experience they have they'll be able to glean different bits of information from that that might be useful one thing that i've noticed is uh you know if someone is a reviewer um as much as they are trying to be objective uh the kind of biases and it's not even biases it's preferences that cannabis users have will always bleed through um, to their reviews. So one thing I really like doing um, when reading other people's reviews is kind of figuring out what their preference is. And then uh, you know, at that point, you could be like, hey, you should try this from this grower, you know, this specific cultivar. And then they'll be like, oh, yeah. And then they try and they're like, damn, that was the best thing ever. <laughs> and at that point, you've, 
okay. you know, you've really narrowed down to, to kind of, that's the t- type of thing that you would do with someone that you're seshing with on the regular anyways, you know, you want them to have the best high, you want you to have the best high. And for each person, that specific best high is going to be different because everybody's endocannabinoid system is different. So what I've really seen is uh, people will end up like if they're on my site, they're reading from reviews from like 50 different reviewers, they're still going to end up really like honing in on one or two reviewers that they really follow everything from because they figure anything he likes or she likes, I will like. Yeah, usually um, there's once you look at so many different reviews, you kind of find those people that you're like, okay, their taste, like hearing the way they describe things, the their um, smell, like the the smell, the different um, strains that they lean more towards, I can really relate to them. So, you, like you said, you're able to really follow their lead and their uh, expertise on different strain reviews. And really what you're doing is kind of based on people's words and actions and preferences or what they reveal of their preferences, you're doing a little bit of uh, like market research to try to find who has a similar endocannabinoid system to you that reacts to, you know, limonene the same way or mercy in the same way, or mercy and limonene in a three-to-one ratio, also with a three-to-one cannabinoid to terpene ratio. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) So uh, do you only, well, does your team only review strains based out of California, or are you guys spread out across the states? That's a great question. We're actually spread out across the entire world. Um, I... Because I worked previously um, in internet privacy and really uh, developed some free speech absolutist uh, principles during my time uh, as a writer and uh, as a human being, um, I really believe that you know writing about cannabis is not illegal, um, especially not in the states. And anyone that's doing these reviews, putting them up, whether uh, pseudonymous or anonymous. Um, you know, it's out there and for a site to feature it is is also not illegal. So um, I would say a lot of the reviews are about cannabis that was grown in California, but um, definitely a lot of those reviews are not happening in California, if you catch my drift. Okay, I get you. I get you. So were there any challenges that you ran into when you were trying to make strides with this? Like, were when you're trying to host the website, were there different platforms that were booting you off because of your topic? So um, that's a great question. And there actually haven't been because there's, you know, on the Internet, there's a certain like set of <clears throat> laws. If you've heard of Section 230, which is something that they're uh, actually like actively lobbying to try to get rid of. But basically, uh, like hosting services and whatnot, like they have a uh, I guess you could say plausible deniability for whatever is being run um, on their on their uh, servers uh, to a certain extent, you know, like for real heinous, quote unquote, crimes or, or stuff, uh, then those server, those hosting companies will come down. But for stuff like cannabis or stuff that is, you know, just purely free speech, there's no transactions happening, they really can't do anything. And so on that end, I didn't have any issues and I didn't anticipate having any issues because I was very familiar with the, uh, the 
I guess you could say the legal playing field or battlefield rather. But um, the issue has been in kind of monetizing. I have been booted off ad networks. Um, I have been booted off all sorts of things that uh, will not deal with a cannabis site on principle. And that is not even principle, just because their lawyer or their banker told them not to. So that has been something that uh, is unfortunate, but I do see uh, it'll definitely change. Like once federal legalization or rescheduling or descheduling happens and kind of in the meantime, it's actually been very uh, it's been very interesting to see how brands have gone around the uh, these artificial limitations and really like thrived and and done a lot of marketing. Uh, legal marketing that whatever they're allowed to do, they are, you know, like squeezing that lemon for everything it's worth. Yeah, a lot of brands are partnering with different influencers and content creators across different platforms and having them either make commercials or do different live reviews, unboxings, different um, legal ways to promote their Mm -hmm. product. And those are at the end of the day, super effective, um, not just in the cannabis industry. Like that is a, a model um, that you know works pretty much everywhere. And especially in the cannabis industry where like trust between, you know, a reviewer and a reader or a podcast listener and a podcast host um, or, you know, a dealer and a picker upper um, is like so, so tight. Um, those recommendations really are heard. And uh, it is something that, uh, there are some brands I've also run into that, you know, aren't kind of, they aren't jive to, to how it has to be in the interim before full uh, legalization and the whole, um, I guess the whole like advertising options that are available to other industries is available. And uh, I, I would like to see more brands, you know, kind of embrace the, this influencer model, whether it's people on Instagram, whether it's on websites, whether it's podcasts, um, it's definitely something that can help cannabis companies. Yes, definitely. Because I recently, uh, well, when I started out the podcast, uh, I was trying to get just some ad spots um, through my um, podcasting host mm-hmm. platform. And since April, it is, well, I, I'm still waiting. I haven't heard anything back. They said they're still looking. Every time I emailed them, they said I'm on like a waiting list. But I don't think a waiting list is that long because I've talked to other people who use the same platform as well, and they're also having similar issues. So I just really, to make revenue on it, I started reading um, ads that I made myself based off of cr- products that I've tried. Mm-hmm. And from there, I've gotten into making like actual commercials and stuff and posting those on my different social media platforms because I got a a ring light for Christmas and I've been going crazy with it. I've been having so much fun making these different commercials. I've seen them. They're very high quality. Thank you. Thank you. I'm trying to um, get some new angles, figure out some different techniques. Um, There's definitely some more to come. Looking forward to it. Yes, yes. So did you ever run into any problems speaking out about your love and intrigue for cannabis? Um, you know, I guess I would say just the like standard stuff with family and whatnot. But at this point, um, it's all it's all dissipated like smoke in the air. And uh, I, I would say I, I really haven't since 2018, I haven't had much issues with uh, the highest critic or 
or spreading my love of cannabis to other people. But you know, there's plenty of stories from before <laughs> where it's been an issue. Oh, I got you. I got you. So how can more people get into cannabis journalism? Um, my advice there would be to just start. There are plenty of like blogging platforms that you can start writing on for free that uh, will get your work out on Google for people to start being able to search. And um, it's also free to just write an article like in your local notepad or Word or LibreOffice and then to apply to publications with it. Um, so, you know, those are kind of two uh, ways that you could go about it. You start creating your own content, putting it out there, or you start pitching to people. And at that point, the first, you know, gig that you would get, you'd be getting paid for that content. So um, to just start and to just try would be uh, my my top advice for anyone who you know, wants to see their name next to a cannabis related headline or wants to have the have the luxury of being paid to smoke pot. <laughs> yes, um, that's basically a good start for anything. If you want to do it, start doing it. Because there's a lot of people that get stuck in just the planning mm -hmm. phase of things and don't actually start that mm -hmm. project. Absolutely. A lot of people have the idea. Um, a small subset of those will go into the planning stage. And then a smaller subset of those will actually go all the way through. So... Like, because you think there's too many people doing it is never a good reason not to try something. Because mm, there might be a unique way that you can do it that will make you stand out from mm -hmm. other people. Facts. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So what do you feel your main duty is as a cannabis journalist to consumers who just want facts on the plant? Um, I think that my duty is to present those facts. So when I am... Uh, featuring reviews from reviewers, um, you know, a lot of the time, uh, you know, say it's someone out under the prohibition, they're receiving a strainer cultivar. They don't necessarily even know who grew it. They definitely, there's no labeling. It's not even, you know, if it's in a Mylar bag, it's in one of those ones that just has a logo on it. Um, there's no test results. There's no, um, there's no lineage information. And I like to go through and try to present that information if possible. Um, specifically, the test results, probably impossible. But um, to find the lineage of the purported strain or cultivar is something that I really like to do. And uh, I feel is, is one of my duties because, um, like I was saying before, everyone's endocannabinoid system is different. So really the only way to know what strains or cultivars you're going to like yourself is based on your previous smoking or cannabis ingesting history. So, you know, if you at some point in the last two decades uh, smoke some OG Kush and you really like the way that it, you know, knocked you out, then chances are at the dispensary, if you see something like blank OG, then OG Kush is either a direct parent or a grandparent, or nowadays could even be a great grandparent, but you're going to get at least some percentage of that effect is a, a bastardized way of looking at it. So I really feel that like having that accurate lineage information is even better than terpene profiles, test results in terms of um, having information that is usable for the end user. 
is it really helps because for me there's a lot of strains that I really fall in love with at the dispensary but when I go to look them up and try to find the lineage the terpenes any information on it I can't even find information on the growers website which is very infuriating it makes it to where I've just got to base it off of um either okay it smells similar to this strain it has similar effects to these strains that i've had before and it's really just a whole bunch of guesswork that i don't like doing i would i really like your platform because it gives me the option of just kind of looking through and seeing like oh well it's not a strain that was grown by my specific grower, but it's still the same name. So it might have the same lineage. It kind of gives me a good starting mm -hmm. off point. Mm -hmm. That's <laughs> glad to hear that the site is being used in that way. <laughs> yes. So how does the, the highest critic plan to broaden the discussion on cannabis in our daily lives? So um, <clears throat> I one thing that I want uh, to bring to the discussion um, is that uh, the dichotomy between indica and sativa, like in terms of effects, isn't very helpful. Um, and it's something that, you know, it, it makes sense. It's a, it's a botanical, it's purely a botanical um, classification. You know, things that were closer to the equator, land races that were closer to the equator were sativa, land races that were north of the equator or south of the equator would be more or would be indica and then thus the hybrids that were created over the last century are you know some combination and all that does really is tell you like how wide the leaves are going to be stuff like that and it doesn't necessarily tell you what the terpene expression is going to be and stuff like that but like you said if we can't even have the lineage expression uh, information on the grower's website you know, they're they're not putting the COAs, all that kind of stuff. It's just there's just so much information that they actually have that they're not putting out there. And infuriating is absolutely the right word for it. And uh, between just that, like uh, the indica sativa dichotomy, the other thing that I I want to do at the highest critic and I see happening across the cannabis industry as a whole is highlighting um, like the way it was grown. Um, because it does matter what inputs were used, whether it was indoor, outdoor, um, whether the genetics were had been acclimated to the region, all the stuff really does matter, especially when it comes into the future discussions on terroir and being able to prove out terroir, whether it's, um, you know, with with tests of the soil, with like wind readings, with humidity readings, and then combining those with the terpene test results and the cannabinoid test results. And to really have the scientific data to to say that like an OG Kush that's grown on this hill in this part of California is going to be this type of different than an OG Kush that's grown in Arkansas on this hill or, you know, in Texas in this warehouse, something like that. And uh, those that's really going to matter because at this point, you know, we're still going online looking at reviews of OG Kush or whatever OG and doing all this guesswork, like you were saying, but eventually all this data will be there, especially as um, the, the world, you know, legalizes. And if we kind of take the analog of uh, the wine industry or alcohol industry or other industries, um, there's plenty of places for the, not plenty of places, there's plenty of room for the cannabis industry to grow um, in terms of like 
data-backed stuff. Yeah, I feel like um, the cannabis industry is a little bit behind, though, as far as getting that lineage, um, really having um, like seeds saved and things like that, because back in the 70s and 60s when these land races were really coming to the americas and getting um like grown it was illegal highly illegal so there wasn't like a seed bank to preserve these strains there weren't people there certainly weren't people putting out um like information based off of different reviews on the strains and just like oh yeah you can get it from this grower here it's grown this way and there certainly wasn't that just high profile high accessibility to information like there is now and like you said with the how it's just in different places grown different ways you're right like i can look at a review that you do in california and it gives me a general idea of what the strains lineage is but the terpene expressions based off of how they grow it there based off of how it's grown here it could be entirely different uh it's but i'd say it might be a little bit more accurate than trying to base it off of like leafly which is also still a good site to look at for sure i agree <laughs> okay sorry I, I i ran and spouted off for a second there but how do you think that cannabis journalism in your opinion is shaping and changing the narrative surrounding cannabis reform um, I would say that uh, cannabis journalism is kind of the first touch point that a lot of people out there that aren't regular cannabis users are going to like be hearing about stuff that's relevant to the cannabis industry. So it's kind of a uh, it's that first touch point of re-education and uh, fixing all the brainwashing, all the whitewashing. Um, from stuff like D.A.R.E. or, you know, all the, the anti-cannabis legislation that is being fixed here in the United States. But a lot of that um, social taboo against cannabis was exported by uh, Western civilization over the last several centuries to the point that, you know, the cultures where cannabis was first used, you know, are, are now the ones where cannabis is most illegal. I'm talking specifically about like, China, Japan and Taiwan. Hey yo, it's Katara from Smoke to Smoke. I want to give y'all the 411 on a company with great Delta 8 and rare cannabinoid products that can be delivered right to your door. If you're looking for some high quality rare cannabinoid products, look no further. My boys over at Moonwalker have got you covered. If you're looking for a wide range of quality rare cannabinoid tinctures, gummies, vapes, topicals, and even gummy sampler packs for you to try out just a taste of some of their delicious cannabinoid treats before committing to a bottle, check out Moonwalker. And when you go to the site, don't forget to use the code smoke to smoke 420 to save some cash the next time you want to stock up your stash. Again, that's S-M-O-K-E-T-O-S-M-O-K-E-420 to save a little bit off on me. It means a lot. Before we get back into today's episode, we gotta take a quick smoke break. Today, I wanted to talk about a tasty, funky, cheesy strain that I've been put up on from a dispensary that's called Gorilla'd Cheese. So if you're ready, let's light up and dig in. 
Gorillad cheese, spelled G-O-R-I-L-L-A apostrophe D cheese, is a hybrid cross with indica-leaning effects. Its parents are Gorilla Glue Number no. 4 and Clementine Number no. 46. With the help of this bud, any day will be made into a very relaxing, lazy day. Gorilla Cheese is a fantastic strain to help manage and tackle chronic pain in addition to boosting your appetite. It may also give you a little boost of creative energy, although most enjoy this strain while trying to wind down. This creamy strain has an aroma reminiscent of a light earthiness and sour cheese, but it's not a strong, gonna make you gag scent like an expensive cheese. More on the mild side, but still pleasant. The dominant terpene in this strain is caryophylline, followed by limonene, beta myrcene, and linalool. That's all I've got for this smoke break. Now, let's get back to the episode. So, um, this, this was an excellent chat, but before we finish off today's show, I've got some lightning round quick answer questions just so we can get to know a little bit more about you. Sounds good. All right. What's your favorite strain? Um, <laughs> it's hard to choose just one, but uh, anything like Hayes family or anything with the Vietnamese or Thailand race in there usually speaks to me. Okay, okay. Uh, I've had a few haze strains, and they are very, very um, enjoyable, but it's not something that I come by too often here. Same. It's it's really, really rare all over um, the country, I would say, um, just depending on where you are. But it is making a comeback, and I do hope that eventually that means that it'll be found even in Arkansas. Yeah, I mean, really, uh, every few years or so, there's a new boom in the different type of strains that people are mostly drawn to. So who knows, there might be a a haze um, resurgence and we might see more haze around. I sure hope so. Mm -hmm. So if someone named a strain after you, what would it be called? Uh, Quick answer, Chen Dog. (laughs) Uh I like it, I like it. How long have you been smoking? Uh, since 2010. All right, all right. Which actor would you want to play you in a movie about your life? Would have to be someone that could actually smoke as much on screen. So maybe like Bobby Lee. (laughs) (laughs) I like that answer. All right, all right. So what's your favorite book? Um, there's actually a series of books by an author called Yule Gibbons, um, Stalking the Blue-Eyed Scallops, Stalking the Wild Asparagus, and Stalking um, the Healthful Herbs that I keep with me and uh, use a lot. Oh, so what are these books about? They are uh, part field guide and like part like introduction to, uh, to foraging, whether it's a beach side foraging or you know, just in in the forest or in the fields and about like finding food wherever it is. <laughs> oh, interesting. Okay. Okay. So what are your top three ways to smoke? Bong joint blunt. Ah, good three answers. Finally, actually, no, I got one more question. <laughs> if you could instantly become an expert at anything, what would it be and why? Um, easy. 
mushroom and wild plant identification. Oh, that's a good one. And finally, could you tell the listeners at home how to find The Highest Critic online and give y'all a follow on social media? The Highest Critic is online at thehighestcritic.com. And we're also on Instagram and social club at The Highest Critic. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. This is probably the fastest I've gotten through some quick answer questions. So, yeah, we really did a lightning round with that. Very good job. Uh, But, yeah, thank you so much for joining me on the show. If you ever want to come back, just reach out. I would love to have you. And I would love to just see more of what you got going on, future projects. So just be sure to keep us in the loop. Will do. And likewise, want to see what y'all got going on. All right. Well, like I said, thank you so much for joining me on the show today, and I will see you around. See you around as well. Thank you so much. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Do you have a question you want to ask or do you want to submit an idea for a future show? Email me at smoke to smoke 420 at gmail.com or send the show a voice message on Anchor FM. Please be sure to give the show a review and share this show at your next smoke sesh. The podcast email will be included in the show notes. Also, did you know that after a long time coming, Smoke to Smoke is finally available on Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else you stream your favorite shows. That's right, the show is now right alongside with the best of them. And don't forget, for the latest updates when the show airs, sneak peeks into my Canna adventures, and for educational cannabis infographics, you can check out Smoke to Smoke on Instagram and Cannabuzz. That's going to be Smoke to Smoke underscore podcast. The podcast is still currently hardcore shadow banned on Instagram, so the best way you can help the show continue to grow is by word of mouth. Share the show with your friends and Canna family and let them know that they can now enjoy the show too wherever they stream. And don't forget to follow the show wherever you're streaming it right now so you're the first one to know when a new episode drops. Thank you for tuning in this week. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Smoke to Smoke. I hope y'all enjoyed it. As a matter of fact, if you did, please be sure to review the show wherever you stream. And don't forget to check out thehighestcritic.com for a wide catalog of cannabis articles from the community. And don't forget to follow them over on Instagram and Social Club as well. Everything will be linked in the show notes for you to check out. That's all I've got for this week. To all my listeners near and far, no matter where you are, remember to smoke responsibly. And I'll see you next Wednesday.